Thank you, Jesus, for this time that we have to be in your word. And Lord, um, we just ask uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I, I don't know how to uh, even communicate correctly the things that you're saying um, and the things that you're speaking to us as we talk to each other and we pour the name of Yeshua back and forth like purified oil from one vessel to another. Lord, just may the power of your spirit do the thing that we're all hungry to come here for. So, Father, take the words and the meditations of our hearts this morning and uh, put them together so that they really do praise you and, uh, and cause um, a change and a shift in, in our direction this morning. Lord, um, e- even the things you want to speak to us um, to help, um, you know, the Lord's coming to visit. He's coming down to, to have a visit. <laughs> so, Lord, we, we expect you in visiting. Um, I heard one prophet say that he's coming to inspect the building. Because I want to know now if there's some things I need to quit building with and build with some other materials. Some things that'll stand the fire, right? So, Lord, we thank you for coming and inspecting and talking to each one of us individually and then also talking to us as a corporate body of Jesus Christ. Thank you for River City. Thank you for your beautiful bride in the earth. Um, And um, thank you, Lord, for for loving us so much. Um, Break open your word to us, Lord. Amen. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 Oh, receive the inheritance. Receive the inheritance. Okay, so y'all know um, if you've been here any length of time whatsoever that um, I've mentioned before that I had a couple of dreams in 2018. And um, I I must think that they were back to back like one night and then the next night. And the first night I dreamed the most glorious. I've never had a dream like that. Before, and I've not had one since, that so many details, as I talk about it even now, are so real to me that um, it, that dream, it, I think it was, you know, it's just almost like a chapter of my purpose and destiny that the Lord wanted to mark me with. Um, I met Jesus in that dream. I've never seen the face of the Lord anywhere else. Some people say that they've seen him, they've visited heaven, they've talked to him. I've never done that yet. And, um, and so uh, this dream marked me. And um, one, the first night I dreamed about uh, the, the Lord, he was singing over my family. Um, and just really just one one branch of my family, he started singing. He was singing over me and he was singing a song. Um, He he told me that he'd written me this song and he was singing about my siblings. And then he started singing about my mother and her family. And then he started singing about my granddaddy and his family. And so he was just following this one line, um, this one part of my tree. And then he started singing. So I was like, how does he know? I didn't know who it was in the dream. I didn't know it was Jesus. I just thought he was the most beautiful man I had ever met with eyes like fire. And he, and he was singing. And every, the room was filled with people. And yet it was like, uh, y'all remember that? I don't know who, how old you are when I say, killing me softly with his song. Killing me softly. Y'all know who I'm talking about? All right. So he was singing this song, and I was like, there's a room full of people. How does he know this about my family? Because he was singing about the highs and the lows, the good times and the bad. And got finished with people that I knew. He started singing about my granddaddy's siblings. I didn't know. My granddad walks in the room, and I said, Granddaddy, do you know who, he's, do you know who these people are? He was like, yep. And big old tears just rolled down his face. And he kept singing further and further back. I knew he had gone back generations and generations. And then he got finished with his song. He flung his guitar back around over his back, and he walked down off the stage, and he came over to me, and he said, 
do you, do you want it? I said, want what? And he said, your inheritance. I, I've been saving it for you. And I said, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. But if it's something you want me to have, yes, sir, that's what I want. And then there was this like little chorus around me as these people, other people from other branches of families stepped in and said, yeah, that we want that inheritance. We, we lay down our own family inheritance to have that. Now, I knew when I woke up, it wasn't really about just that branch of the family. I knew, I knew it wasn't, I knew it had, it was very, I knew it was spiritual. I knew that the Lord was calling me to something. But I did know there were places in all of our family trees that are, that are still holding desolate inheritances. Things that our ancestors did not, they didn't pick up. They didn't, maybe they died too early. Maybe they never got a revelation. And all of that inheritance is, so I studied Isaiah and about the Lord restoring desolate inheritances. And, and you know, over in Hebrews it says, some people died knowing the promise of God, but never seeing their inheritance come to them. And, and it was waiting. Those desolate inheritances are waiting for us in order that we all be made perfect. They're waiting for us. So uh, in December of this year, right before Christmas, um, hey, can I, um, I need to stop real quick and do something else. So uh, <clears throat> um, one of the testimonies of the the little people from, they're not, they weren't little. They were awesome. People from Australia, we just happened to sit beside this whole conference. Um, and they were such a blessing. Um, and one of the, one of the things we knew when, when the day that Willa and Johanna came is we were, were going to ask, we were going to ask for a prayer for Willow's eye. And, um, and so, I was trying to, I was like, wow, Carol Arnott prayed for all the children yesterday when she was, when Willow wasn't here. And I was looking around to see if I could find her. And I was going to go get that fireball to pray destiny over Willow and pray for her eye. And she wasn't there. And so I, I was like getting to know this couple in their 70s from Australia and um, just talking to them. And the, the lady said, is there something um, I could... I won't do my Australian accent. Is there something I could pray with you about? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the mercy of God to give you a testimony when you need it. I said, my granddaughter needs prayer for her eye. She's, got, she's had some uh, reports that are not good. And we, we, need, we need prayer for her eye. And the lady said, Oh, you have asked just the right people. We would love to pray. So she starts praying, and then she gets her husband to pray. And this is why she, this is the, the testimony she started off with. She said, I was in Africa, and I'm a nurse, and I haven't seen many miracles. I had not seen very many miracles, but she said, I was in Africa, and I was with a ministry team that just cut me loose and said, go pray for those people that they get their sight back. And she said, I was standing next to a woman whose eyes were white because she could not see. She was blind. And she went, oh, I don't think I'm ready for this. <laughs> I don't know that I can pray. But she said, to show you that God is not really interested in my ability, but my availability. I turned and prayed, and she said, as a nurse, I watched that woman's eyes come online. She said the white left and the eyes were there perfectly formed and she could see. Amen. Oh, I just felt that. Then as her husband started to pray, he said, 
He said, and let me remind you that I also have a testimony. He said, several years ago, I was in a foreign country on a mission trip. And my eye started going wonky and I couldn't see out of it. So I went to the doctor and the doctor looked at it and then said, is your wife here? Because she needs to come in the room. I need to speak with her. And he was like, this can't be good. And so got his wife in there and he said, the doctor said, your husband has had a stroke in his eye and he cannot see and it's going to get worse. And we need to do this, 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 and this. Um, He said he prayed about his eye, you know, and said, Lord, restore the vision in my eye. But it's not like him. You've heard word of faith people decree and declare and go after a healing like that. But he said he didn't really do that. And he he and his wife were in charge of the soaking at their church um, where you just come in and soak in the presence of the Lord every Sunday night for about 12 years in Australia. And he said one night he was laying on the floor. You, they, the, the leaders of the soak would come in an hour beforehand so that they could get a soak in before everybody else got there to just soak as well. And so he said he was laying on the floor and he just felt that something had shifted in his eye. He didn't know, but he just, it was like it just dropped into him that his eye was better. So he said he, he made an, uh, an appointment for that next week, went in to see the eye doctor, and the eye doctor uh, took the, all the pictures that he had had and put them up and said, this is what your eye looked like before the stroke. This is what your eye has looked like after the stroke. This is what your eye looks like now. This is the best eye out of all of them. His vision actually improved. His eye was better than it had been before the stroke. Each appointment, each appointment. And it kept getting better and better and better. So at just the right time, I didn't know who in here needs to grab hold of that, but I've, I have learned enough to know that when a testimony is given of God's amazing grace in a healing area, that it is God's opportunity for us to say, do it again, Lord. Yes. Do it again. So if you need a hand, you just put your hands on your eyes right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful testimony I thank you for the faithfulness of your servants to to give us testimonies that we can say, thank you, God, for healing eyes. Thank you, God, for healing eyes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for continuing to do the work. The power of God, the Megatron dunamis of God, the power of God. We thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. Mm. And I'm going to need your testimonies so we can seed the next place. Do you see what I'm saying? We need these testimonies of how your eyes, your vision has cleared and your eyes are better. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe it. Y'all believe? I believe. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, um, Whatever you do, do you work heartily from the soul as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward consisting of the inheritance. Because it's the Lord that you serve. So uh, what, whatever you do there is not just about work, like thinking about, think about like work on a job. That word literally means to whatever you make. If you're making biscuits, you do it as unto the Lord with your whole heart. You put some love in those biscuits. If you are preparing something, if you're producing something or performing, we do it as unto the Lord because it makes not a 
hella beans difference if our if our affirmation comes from people, although we want to bless people, but we're not doing things in order to be affirmed by other people. Because some of the times I've worked the hardest in my life to bless somebody, they weren't blessed. Is that, that'll turn right around and bite you in the... Right? And... Um, so we thank you, Father, that we can get our hearts lined up with uh, the the our, our work, our hands. But it's about it. It's a the heart is what's attached to inheritance. And in December, the Lord, I think I said this already, but in December, the Lord, I said, Lord, what's this year about? Tell me what this is about. And He said, I need for you to receive your inheritance this year. And I said, Well. I kind of thought I'd already done that, but <laughs> we're going to go back to that. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to receive because we're constantly receiving our inheritance. It is not a one-time event. So, amen. Thank you for that, Bobby. Um, <clears throat> so, I looked it up. He's been saving my inheritance. Do you want your inheritance? Amen. Amen. And uh, so he's been saving it. I looked it up in the Bible dictionary, and this is what it says about inheritance. It's about the legal transmission of property. The Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, has no exclusive term for inheritance. And inheritance does not mean in the Old Testament that somebody had to die for you to get it. Generally, Inheritance in the Old Testament means to take possession. So the idea that's flavoring the New Testament is coming out of the Old Testament. Even though they use the Greek words for inherit in the New Testament. And in Greek, in in Greece, the, the whole point of an inheritance meant that somebody had to die and name you the beneficiary. Right? But it, but because these are still Hebrew people that we're, we're talking about, they still did not, the overarching thing wasn't that somebody had to die. Even though the book of Hebrews says, hey, okay, if, you, if you're going to buy into somebody's got to die for you to inherit, somebody already did. He died and wrote your name. In heaven. Isn't that beautiful? So, in the, in the word, um, even the restoration of land to his people, Jeremiah used the concept of inheritance when he said the people are returning from the north after their time of exile and punishment and that, and they're returning to inherit the land. And basically, I'm going to tell you, this has been a new concept for me as I've worked through this now for, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, six years. I'm working on six years, so about five and a half now, about what this meant in that dream when the Lord said, do you want your inheritance? <clears throat> and um, one of the things that um, I didn't really realize, that anything that God gives me, can be called an inheritance. So if I'm constantly getting things from God, I am constantly receiving my inheritance. In Psalm 16, 5, David describes the pleasant conditions of his life as his inheritance. And what he said was he had chosen the Lord as his lot and therefore He received these. He said, my lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. So anything in my life that is pleasant, that is from God, is part of my inheritance. It's part of my inheritance. Oh, this is like, you know, the recipe book from Teresia that I grew up looking through. They put little poems in there from Teresia Christian School. And they had a little poem. Thank God for dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may go hungry, we are eating well. My, my lines can fall to me in pleasant places 
anywhere I look if I will but put my eyeballs on it for 10 seconds and think, instead of being frustrated, say, thank you, God. Thank you for my inheritance, my daily bread. Thank you, God. This is beautiful. So he, David said, the reason why it's so beautiful is because the Lord is close to me. And I even get his counsel in the night. I have an unshakable confidence. I have a glad heart and a weighty glory that dances in joy. And my inheritance includes Physical safety for my body. So we're not blowing smoke when we say Psalm 91, that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That is a legit piece of your inheritance. Now, I, I'll never forget sitting in this uh, sitting in this room and um, on a Wednesday night and uh, Jessica came running in and said, Mom, can you, can you drive me to Williamson? Kevin's been in a really bad wreck and I don't think I can drive. And I said, yes, and we got up and left. And that afternoon, just 30 minutes before, I had felt this real big heaviness, like go get Psalm 91 and read it. And I read it out loud. And I didn't know what it was for, who it was for. And then as we saw him and continued, uh, went, went, like he rolled his car. I, Kevin's not in here yet, but as he rolled his car, what, like five, seven times in front of a log truck through a culvert. And they're picking glass out of his, and no broken bones. And not like no scratches the the glass was coming out and his skin was closing up behind it how does that happen hey man that's part of our inheritance that that psalm 91 place is a no joke that is no joke so this is beautiful david's inheritance bought a con, brought a continual revelation of resurrection life isn't that beautiful um, one of the ladies at the conference, we laughed and laughed because she was so like, and it was so overwhelming. I was like, I have never, ever, but she said something that so impacted me. Her husband said, we've been uninvited to about a hundred churches because she can't keep herself under control. And she got the mic and she said, how do you expect someone who's been brought back from the dead to act? And I was like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. David said his inheritance actually brought him a continual revelation in mind, body, and soul to of resurrection life. And that was before he knew Jesus. He didn't, he, he didn't even have the benefit of Jesus. You know, Colossians 3 is going to start off saying, if Christ has been resurrected, then we were resurrected with him. So how much more? Like, I've just been saying, Lord, show me how to receive resurrection life in my mortal body. In my soul, my spirit already knows it so well. So, Father, thank you for that. Psalm 119.111 says that God's testimonies are an inheritance. So, I gave you a testimony of the Lord today. I told you that woman had seen blind eyes open when she was on the mission field. And that man just from soaking in the presence of God. His eye was healed. He, I said, were you praying about it at the time? He was like, no, I just healed like that in his presence. And I was like, yes. God's testimonies are an inheritance. Don't you love that? 
Um, in the New Testament, inheritance can be property, but most often it refers to the rewards of becoming a disciple of Jesus. And so it always includes eternal life and the kingdom. The first time I ever heard anybody preach the kingdom like that was Miles Monroe. It was at a conference in Virginia. And he, he got, he, Miles Monroe was from Jamaica. And he got up and he said, Americans do not understand when you start talking about the kingdom because we did not grow up in a kingdom. We grew up in a government that can throw the bum out. We just vote different, right? But he said, Jamaica, in Jamaica, they had, they, they were under British rule. I'm, I'm saying the right country, right? Those of you who knows, know Miles Monroe. They were under British rule. So he said, even as a little boy, when the queen was coming, it, everything else stopped and you got ready for the queen to come. They understood kingdom. Right? So you understand kingdom is a different way of thinking about things. We've thought about church, but we haven't necessarily always thought about kingdom. And so the kingdom of God is included in your inheritance. Um, um, you can hear that in, the, in Daniel 7 when um, Daniel writes, But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come, right? So this is part of, the kingdom is part of our inheritance. This is our inheritance. We will receive our inheritance and possess our inheritance. And then Jesus said it kind of in a different way in Luke 12. He said, if you'll seek the kingdom and all these things will be added to you, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So we, we're learning, we're growing. How does the kingdom work? Lord, I don't even understand how the kingdom always works. But we're learning because we're part of a kingdom. We are kings and priests to our God. Amen. Jesus is the heir of God and we are co-heirs with Christ. And so, yeah, somebody had to die to get us in there. No wonder Jesus was jumping up and down like gushing with joy when he said, Hey, <laughs> do not be ecstatic that you have authority over spirits. Be ecstatic that your name has been written in heaven. Right? Amen. You're written in the will. So this is, this is where I am in this whole process. Uh, the, sorry, sorry if this isn't doing it for you, but maybe it will. I'm just doing it for myself, and I hope that I hope if, if anybody's ready to go with me, you're, you're coming with me. But here's what I, these are four things, four pictures I've seen recently about how do I receive an inheritance. So I was digging on it, and I said, Lord, I know receiving it and just like, if God wants to give it to me, he'll give it to me. I learned long ago that if, if I want something in the kingdom, I was going to have to go after it. I, have, I think Bill Johnson says it this way and much more eloquently, but he, he says something to the effect of anything that you really need will be provided for you, but anything that you want, you will have to go after it. And so what does it mean to receive your inheritance? Can you imagine somebody dying and leaving you a million dollars and you just didn't feel like getting in the car and driving down to the lawyer's office to receive the inheritance? Y'all are so quiet. <clears throat> Picture number one. Let me back up. Before I give four pictures real quick, but the, the first thing he said to me was, you will have to ask for it. Part of receiving starts with asking. And so here's picture number one. 
The Levites had no share of the land because the Lord himself was their inheritance. And yet in Joshua 21, we see this unusual picture where the heads of the tribe of Levi come before Eleazar and Joshua and heads of the other tribes. And they remind them, they said, you know, God told Moses that our inheritance is the Lord himself. But he also said to Moses that each one of the tribes was supposed to give us cities and pasture lands for our families. And I just wonder if they would have received what the Lord promised had they not called a meeting and asked for it. I don't know. I kind of think that would have slipped the other tribe's mind. And so, especially for those, um, when, when we're doing ministry, Father, we have to ask for what the Lord has promised us. Lord, you've given us beautiful things. You've given my, my lines fall to me in pleasant places. But this is what I need. I need for my family. That's what they were asking for. They were asking for their families, cities and pasture lands for their families. So even though the Lord himself was the inheritance for the tribe of Levi, he still made provision for their families. Isn't that beautiful? I think we have to ask. Picture number two. If you go to Numbers 27, it tells the story of the daughters of Zelochod. And I can't say that a whole bunch of times. God. So I will just call them the daughters of Z. Okay. So Zelochad is Z. Originally, inheritance never went to the girls. Just the sons. Not to daughters. Daughters of Z. Five sisters. Oh, we have a family in this house. It has five girls. One, two, three, four, five. As I just pictured that this morning. All five of the McKeever girls standing in line. They came. They called a meeting. Now, their father was a Manassite. So, these were from the tribe, um, in, in jo from Joseph's lineage. And uh, Z had left Egypt with Moses, but he was part of the generation that died in the wilderness. And when he died, his daughters had been birthed there to inherit the land because he didn't have any boys. Now, you know, just girls, five of them. And they could not inherit as daughters. So in other words, what was going to happen was their portion of the inheritance was going to go to somebody else in the tribe. It would have gone to their uncles. But remember, that whole generation died. So it mentions the uncles, that the uncles would get the inheritance. But it's not talking about the uncles specifically. It's talking about their families. In other words, I wouldn't have got, if I'd been the daughter of Z, I wouldn't have got any of, of my daddy's inheritance. But it would have gone to my first cousin. So all the first cousin, male first cousins would have probably divvied it up and gotten my inheritance. Ooh, I just felt that. Because we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. The five, and I'm assuming they were unmarried girls because later... Um, Later, there's some more parameters put on to give them a, like, in order to inherit this land, you're going to have to do this. So, I, I do know that there were some other parameters. But evidently, these five young girls were unmarried. And they came before Moses and Eleazar and the leaders of the congregation. They said, when our daddy died in the wilderness, he had no sons. Why should his name be withdrawn from among his family? Give us a possession among the inheritance given to our daddy's brother's families. And wouldn't I have liked to be a fly on the tent in that meeting? These five girls standing in front of Moses. I'm like, what did Moses do? Was he smiling at them? I think, I think probably in my mind, he would have just looked at them and smiled. I don't know, were the cousins there? Were they happy? could have been. They could have been very supportive. They might have been 
not happy, some people's sad, some people's mad, some people's very, very glad. Who are those people? But Moses answered wisely and he said, I'm going to have to take this one to God. I will ask. And so the word says that he went, he brought their case to the Lord and the Lord said, the girls are right. You shall surely give them an inheritance among their uncle's families and you shall transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And in fact, this set the daughters of Z, their case before Moses set legal precedent from then on. Now, the thing I want to I want to catch first of all, um, the girls the girls are um, being called up this year. I think. I mean, we've been called up for a, a while, but y'all see that nationally in this country, y'all uh, I can't remember the name of the group, but don't make Mama Bear mad is the, the basic byword of the group that's being called not only to our state capitals, but also, I think, in October to D.C. They are calling for a very similar, you know, they were, first it was the promise keepers, and then it was the call that called all the young people, and now they're calling the mama bears down to D.C., and when I say down, I know it's north, but I mean it's down. It was down to D.C. We're going down to D.C. The, the mama bears are going. So uh, the thing that blesses me about this story, these girls honored their father and paved the way for generation, generations ahead because of their boldness to ask for an inheritance. And so the Lord just kind of put it on my heart that we do well to stir up passion in our hearts for whatever Jesus has for us. To go after every blessing of Christ since he paid such a high price in order that my name be written. But um, it, the eternal life, it, that, which is sometimes how you get the impression that in the New Testament that it's just about your inheritance is just for the other side. Like, But I was just thinking about them like, what... What I need money for over there? Why well, I need land when I'm on the other side? I will be living my inheritance of eternal life. But there's some things, what good, you know, what is it that an inheritance does? It gives you a, a kick up. You know, you, you, you don't have to pull yourself up from every bootstrap if you've got an inheritance to get you started. And this is the beautiful thing about Ephesians 1. Uh, Ephesians 1 tells us that we already have obtained an inheritance because Jesus chose us and adopted us. And once we believed in Jesus Christ, it says we were given the Holy Spirit as a pledge of our inheritance. He's a down payment. Then Paul says, I pray for y'all. I pray you'd have wisdom and revelation about this. I pray the eyes of your heart, which is really interesting because he didn't use this word heart. He used this word heart, the right side of your brain. He, he, didn't, he could have used the word cardia, but he didn't. He said, I pray that the eyes of your imagination would be enlightened so that you could see the glory of the inheritance, the richness of inheritance that's available in the saints. And I wish you could see the Megatron dunamis that raised Jesus from the dead. And the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Because of the pledge of your inheritance, Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Woo! This should stir my heart. Passionate pursuit of everything that Holy Spirit has sealed me for in the pursuit of all that Jesus has already paid for. We are not broke. Come on. Say, I'm not broke. I'm, I'm not broke. I'm not broke. 
Um, just a few verses down from there, Paul says, you're going to need wisdom and revelation about this. Now, Ecclesiastes 7 and 11 says that wisdom along with an inheritance is good and it's an advantage. That wisdom is protection just like money is protection. The wisdom is protection and inheritance is protection. But wisdom has an advantage in that it preserves the lives of its possessors. Protection is the word um, there that means shade. So it's saying if you have an inheritance from God and you ask God for the wisdom like James tells us to. He said if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He will not withhold from you, but you got to believe that he really wants to give you wisdom and an inheritance. Because how many people have you ever seen got an inheritance and did not use wisdom in it and were broke, lost all of it, didn't live or, or didn't touch it? but lived way below where they could have if they had used the inheritance because they were so scared to touch the inheritance. But it will take wisdom, wisdom, wisdom and an inheritance. It says that they're both shade. They're both protection like Psalm 91. They're both protection. But the thing about wisdom is that it can actually bring you to life. It can, it gives you life. So when the Lord tells you what to do, how to use the inheritance that he's given us, not to sit on it, not to bury the talents, not, not to just act like we don't have anything or, or let the enemy talk us into, oh, you got nothing. You're an orphan. Nobody left you nothing. Then I'm like, wait a minute. I have an inheritance. Who are you talking to? You must be talking to yourself, son. You have no inheritance. You have no right. You have no portion. And you have no inheritance in the things of God. But I'm a child of God. I've been written in the will. I've been bought and paid for with a, with a huge price. My papa set me up for good things. So this is, this is how we process because the enemy would like for us to believe that we are nobody and we got nothing. Excuse my Eastern North Carolina. We ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. Where is the passion <laughs> to pursue him and his promises so that like those five sisters, we can ask. That's all he's telling us to do. Ask. Ask. So that those who've gone before us in faith but didn't receive the promises will with us regain desolate inheritances. How does this work? I do not know. I don't know. I don't know. Somehow, when I inherit here and you and possess my inheritance that God has given me, somehow it impacts people who've gone before me in my story. The people, the people, They're, they may not be on earth anymore. I got a feeling they're part of those great cloud of witnesses. They're like, do it, Angie. We screwed it up, but I think you got it. Come on, girl. You got it. Do it. Lean in. Finish the race. Finish it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Picture number three. Joshua 14, Caleb inherited a city. He had war for it. It was the condition of his heart that opened the door for him to inherit. He recaps the whole story from the 40 years before as they are lined up to go in and possess the inheritance. Caleb comes in before Joshua. He's 85 years old. He said, Josh, you remember what the Lord said to Moses about you and me? When Moses sent us out to spy the land, I brought back what was in my heart. Our 10 brothers brought back a word that melted people's hearts and demoralized their hearts with fear. 
Fear can cause you to lose an inheritance. So Moses told Caleb, Surely the places you've walked shall be an inheritance to you and your children forever because you obeyed the Lord and followed him fully. Well, what did Caleb do that was obeying the Lord? All 12 spies went out and spied the land. So he was obedient in that, but that made him no different than the 10 who came back with a different report. So this incident is recorded back in Numbers 13. The 10 spies spoke when they got back and they said, oh, for sure the land is awesome. We love it. We brought us some grapes back. They're good. But, because you know there's always a but, right? (laughs) When fear is on the table, there's always a but. But the cities are very large and they're fortified and the land is full of giants. Here was Caleb's obedience. He said, this is what Caleb said, we should by all means go up and take the land for we will surely take it. We will surely conquer it. That's obedience because it was tied to his heart of faith to believe that whatever God said, it was yes and amen, right? The word says that Caleb had a different spirit. I think that different spirit was the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we have an inheritance and we need wisdom, the place to back up and say, Lord, anoint me afresh with an Isaiah 11 spirit of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Caleb comes out and he says, give me this hill country which the Lord spoke. He recalled the promise God made him. His obedience not only kept him in a place where he could go conquer giants and take the city, but it kept him alive for 40 years so that when he showed up ready to inherit, he said, I'm as strong today. How would you like at 85 to say, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago? Just receive that. Amen? That's what a heart full of faith connected with an inheritance and the wisdom to walk it out can do for you. And I'm just saying, yes, Lord, because I need strength for the days ahead. I need, I need physical strength. Sometimes we need um, soul strength as much as we need physical strength because the enemy wants to wear you out, but the wearing out is uh, many times against your mind. It's not even physical. You, know, you walk through a situation, you, hey, it, there is nothing so wearing out as like if you have to sit if you've ever had to be in the hospital for a long time and sit with somebody, you're doing nothing. War slam out. Because it's emotional. It's, 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 it's in the soul realm. And Caleb was like, it ain't no problem. My body's still strong and so is my mind. My mind is going to take them giants out. We're going we're gonna to go do it right now. So with the power of God helping me, He said, I'm going to drive out the giants just like God said. I'm as fit to go to battle now as I was then. His obedience kept him in a place to inherit the promise. His perspective did not change. Caleb remembered the promise of God for a heart of faith that believed in the promise of God and dispossessed giants out of his inheritance. Because sometimes... Your possession has to be taken or possessed. Uh, your inheritance, you know, like I think, okay, this inheritance is just something handed to you. Here's free and clear. There you go. That's our next picture. Her name is Axa. She was Caleb's daughter. Guess what she got? Well, first of all, her daddy said, if you, anybody who goes, he said, now follow my example. I just went up and got the city of giants. Anybody who gets Debir, Axa 
get it, it, the hand of my daughter in marriage for, for this next city. And so Caleb pulled Othniel in, his nephew, and this is what he did. He took that city, and it seems like almost the first order of business was that uh, Axa went to uh, her husband, Othniel, and said, Hey, ask Daddy for the South. And he did. And evidently, Caleb said yes, but that wasn't enough. Uh, the word says, Axa uh, got down off of her donkey, or as in eastern North Carolina we would say, she got down off her high horse, and she asked her daddy for water to go with the land. Now, this is pretty, this is a pretty shrewd move. And what I find interesting is, she doesn't do any work to get that inheritance. Caleb dispossessed giants, and Othniel went up and took a city and possessed the city. But Miss Axa didn't do anything except ask. Now, that's powerful to me. That tells me the power of asking. Um, Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. And they're called fountains. In other words, the shooting up water. The shooting up water and the springs, the fountains and the springs. That's water that can ascend and water that can go down to hidden places. And that lower spring means water that can go down, down into your belly. Where Jesus told us rivers of living water. I don't know. Was she asking for the anointing? I think that's probably what we should be asking for. We should be asking for God to fill us with the river of life on the inside of us and the river of life that flows out of us, both the upper and the lower springs, you know, the power of that. So uh, this is how Jesus said it. <clears throat> I'm like, you know, I think, oh, you know, sometimes when you're studying the Bible, you can just make a head like you go, oh, okay. Jesus, thank you. Oh, oh, she was asking for the anointing. She's asking for rivers of life. All right, that's awesome. Mm, that's a good thing. And then never actually do it. Isn't that crazy? You can study the Bible and know all about it and never actually do what the Word is telling you to do. Jesus said this way. He said in Luke 10, I say to you, ask and keep on asking and you will receive. Seek and keep on seeking and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it will be opened for you. Every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Then Jesus said, let me ask you something. If your son came to you or a son go to any father and asked for fish, would you give him a serving of snake instead? Or suppose your daughter uh, came to you and asked for souffle. Would you give them spiders instead? I mean, I did change souffle because it sounded better than eggs. You know, what girl really wants eggs, a plate full of eggs. But a souffle, perhaps, you know. So here's the beauty of this thing. Jesus goes on to say, of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more 
will the perfect heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him. So I, the Lord has just been challenging me. Dude's like, you know, I can remember that verse when I was asking the Lord to begin to move in the gift of tongues. I did not have that. I had seen other gifts online, but I hadn't seen that. And I said, Lord, I want to I wanna speak languages that no demon understands. I want when tongues come out of my mouth, I want that to hurt their ears if they're standing near me. I want them to scream in pain when I speak a heavenly language. I want to open up a highway so you and I can talk to each other. And you can bypass my natural mind, which would maybe say no to you. But because I don't really know always what I'm speaking when I'm speaking in tongues, then I can say, Lord, I'm in full agreement with whatever you have for me. I wanted all that. And I can remember when I hit that passage in Luke, I said, oh, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when we ask? That was, that, that does, hope came alive in me. But why would I ever stop asking? Why, why would I only ask one time? Why would I only ask 10 times? Why, why wouldn't I just every day say, Lord, Lord, fullness of your spirit. I need the fullness of your spirit. Take more territory in me so that you have a bigger expression in my life. And then if you look at Colossians 3, y'all, there's some things we're going we're gonna to overcome this year. Woo! We're going to take some mountains back from some giants, I think. Mm -hmm. If you go to Colossians 3 and at the beginning of that chapter, because this passage is from the end of the chapter, I'm going to call the praise team up here. Just before Paul speaks about inheritance being tied to the condition of your heart, at the end of the chapter, he says, I want you to realize that Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Oof. You've heard people talk about dead men walking, right? Until we're saved, we're just dead people walking because one whole third of us is dead. God created us to be triune soul and spirit and body. And the spirit man is completely dead until we accept Jesus. So he said, because Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too, you got to keep seeking for all that is above. Your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ so live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who has died to diseases and desires for forbidden things. Live as one who has died to greed, which is the very essence of idol worship. Eliminate from your life once and for all, all forms of hatred, including self-hatred, cursing, filthy speech, and lying. Take off the old man. He wouldn't have told us to do it if we couldn't do it. Take off the old man. Just peel him right off. You are a new creation. Clothe yourself with the mercy of God. Be compassionate and kind. Be gentle and humble. Be unoffendable in your, pre in your patience with others. I heard Bill say something uh, the day that he spoke that so blessed me. He's like, you know, the enemy always wants to... Um, uh, as, as you are pressing in for the things of God, 
The enemy wants to create storms to kind of blow you away from the very place you're trying to get to. And he said, especially, um, uh, he will use uh, offense and criticism to try to push you away from God. And he said, an acquaintance had written some very ugly things about him. And he said, I thanked God that he had written such ugly things about me because it propelled me into the presence. I, you, know, you know that it's working for your good when something the enemy meant for evil to push you away from the Lord that causes you actually for the wind to blow you right into the lap of the Lord. He said, forgive one another. Paul goes on, forgive one another. Love is supreme and must flow through all of these virtues for it is the mark of true maturity. Let peace umpire in your heart. When you got to make a decision, let peace call the balls, just like an umpire behind a, behind a plate. Strike. Foul. Don't do it. It's going to be a foul ball. It's foul ball. Foul ball. Let peace, let the peace of God make the call in your heart. Always be thankful. Apply these things in the family. He said, Paul said, take these things and, and apply them to your wives and your husbands and your children and your parents. Take these things and even apply them to employees and employers. Live faithfully in everything. Never live in pretense. Live with pure hearts in the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. And then I'll finish by saying how it gets translated in the Passion, how we started today. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're just doing it for the Lord Himself and not merely for other people. For we know that we will receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord as we serve Jesus Christ who is the Lord God. You know, um, it's not lost on me um, as we were at that conference. Like Bobby said, it talked about uh, uh, one of the themes there was about being world changers. That um, Jesus set an example for us and God told him um, in Psalm 2, the Father said, uh, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. And the very ends of the earth is your possession. So I'm wondering if maybe um, we could stop and just pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord to show you whatever he wants to show you before we take this meal. Lord, I, I thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the down payment for being the pledge of our inheritance. Just the beginning part. And uh, Lord, give us boldness to ask. Give us boldness to ask. Just like those five girls. Just like Axa. Caleb showing up and asking for what had been promised him. And having a confident heart that the one who spoke the promise over him was well able to bring him through to it. Lord, I thank you 
just like the Levites who took their promise from you and said, give us cities and pasture lands, things for our family that we need. God, we thank you for all these pictures. We thank you when Jesus said, ask. So we're asking, Lord. Asking for our inheritance. I thank you that the inheritance that you give us, Lord, will help us bring Jesus the fullness of his reward. Thank you, Lord. Increase in us, Lord. We're asking for the fullness of your Holy Spirit, Lord. All these things that Paul listed that would try to deprive us of our inheritance and keep us from inheriting. Lord, if there's any of those things on that list that you need to Talk to us about and bring us into a a place of victory. And Lord, we surrender our hearts to you and ask you to do this. Speak to each one of us, Lord. And that in this season, nothing would hinder us from receiving the inheritance. God, we thank you for this meal, this uh, breakfast of champions, the meal that heals. Lord, we just come into agreement with you and your word that uh, we will remember you as we take this meal together. We remember you. And we testify about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ until he returns. And the presence of the Lord is so thick and rich. Bless, Bless you, God. Bless you, God. In Jesus' name.